Yesterday, a Pierce County jury did find Pierce County Sheriff Ed Troyer not guilty of making a false report. He'd been charged with two misdemeanors for following Cedric Alzheimer, who was delivering papers in Troyer's neighborhood in 2021. And then when Alzheimer confronted him, claiming to a 911 dispatcher that Alzheimer had made a death threat. This is the recording of that. Radio. Hey, it's Troyer. What can I do for you? I'm at 27th and Deidre in Tacoma in North End. About two blocks from my house, and I caught some in my driveway who just threatened to kill me, and they blocked him in. He's here right now. That call led to a major police response, and yesterday, Troyer talked with Cairo News Radio's Dory Monson. I specifically said at the scene, it's in the original police report, that if he's out working and doing his papers, just let him go. Because as you can tell, my feelings weren't hurt. I mean, I've had many of a death threat and everything, and once things were calmed down, and he was a paper delivery person. It's in the original report, which the media has left out, which they all have. As I said, well, let him go do his job. I was totally calm. There wasn't a problem. Troyer claimed that the state attorney general offered him a deal if he would admit to racism since the man he followed through the neighborhood is black. Troyer said he's refused that deal because given the diversity of his own family, to accuse him of racism is absurd on its face. Well, I've kind of hidden my family, but through this process, they know that I have a grandson of color and Native Americans in my family that are registered Native Americans and my wife's Pacific Islander. And I'm pretty much the only white guy in the group. And, you know, I've pretty much kept them separate through my job until this happened. But Troyer also told Dory that he thinks there was a darker agenda behind this prosecution. I just think it, it proves, you know, defund the police are our new laws in this state, you know, they're trying to get rid of elected sheriffs and go to appoint it. That way they can have their top law enforcement, you know, work for the the, the mayors and the city and the councils. And man, don't ever give up that right state ride once you lose your elected sheriff. It doesn't need to be me. But whoever it is, you need to have your elected sheriff or you're going to have huge problems when it comes to public safety. And this may not be over. Troy told Dory that he has a letter from the governor threatening to send him a bill for the prosecution if he'd been found guilty. But now that he's been exonerated, he says he's thinking of sending a bill of his own to the state of Washington. We're learning more about the man accused of attacking House Speaker Nancy Pelosi's husband with a hammer. Police say David DePap has admitted to having other targets, including an Oscar-winning movie star. Paul Pelosi suffered a skull fracture in that attack. Here's CBS's Scott McFarland. Well, authorities made a series of revelations about this case, including a police investigator who testified Wednesday that David DePap told them there's evil in Washington, that he was targeting Nancy Pelosi and that he had plans to hold her hostage. DePap allegedly said he later planned to kidnap President Biden's son, Hunter, in California and target the state's governor, Gavin Newsom, and movie star Tom Hanks. We also learned new details from first responders that when they allegedly arrived on the scene, officers witnessed Pelosi and DePap wrestling over that hammer DePap allegedly used to break into the house. Before they could intervene, Pelosi was struck in the head and knocked unconscious. And while the court proceeding was underway, 82-year-old Paul Pelosi was here in Washington with the House Speaker for the ceremonial unveiling of her portrait. He told CBS News his recovery is coming along, but is a slow process. The PAP has pleaded not guilty to state and federal charges, including threats against a federal official and attempted murder. He's back in court in two weeks in local court. Hey! 
Choke points. Let's go. Brought to you by Acton's Quality Roofing. Let's go. We have seen the increase in congestion on the road since the return to school in the fall. Is it adding up to more money in the tolling bank account for the state? Let's get Chris to look at the latest numbers. Yeah, and and, then hang with me because I know that it's going to be kind of number heavy at times. I want to give you a little perspective here because we've been watching the toll revenues since the start of the pandemic. Not only do those tolls pay for construction of the roads, but some of them also the money goes right back into improvements along the corridors that will be made in the future. So to lay some groundwork here and how the state kind of tracks the negative or positive results, we have to understand that the tolling revenue forecast made in 2019 is the benchmark because that going into the pandemic is what they were forecasting going forward, that if life didn't stop as no one had expected it to, what they were planning to take in in terms of toll revenue going forward. Well, once it became obvious that there was lockdowns and we were not driving, they were like, okay, we're not going to make this forecast. Let's kind of revise things to see see if we can get them a little bit more in line. So they revised it down in 2020. Well, they didn't meet that uh, because it, the pandemic and the less driving was was even more pronounced. So they forecasted again in 2021. They didn't meet that. So earlier this year, they revised the forecast down even more. And so when you look at that later, much lower forecast, tolling revenue is starting to come back. But you can't forget that the benchmark is 2019. And when you look at that, we're off 32 percent from that original 2019 forecast. That's two hundred and six million dollars worth of revenue that they were expecting to get that we did not get. So that's a huge hole that they're trying to figure out what to do. So uh, looking at the latest, we're going to break it down by the corridors again, and this would get a little tedious, is we're off less than 1% over the latest revised forecast. So that's what I mean. We're starting to see a tick back up. But the worst performing corridor, as we've talked about, the 405 express toll lanes. No reason to spend money to buy into a toll lane when the regular lanes are moving along just fine. So it's off 65% from that original forecast, $57 million in that corridor. But State Tolling Director Ed Berry talked to the Washington State Transportation Commission earlier this week, and he said the revenues are now actually doing better than their latest revised, revised, revised estimate. We also had, of course, more uh, traffic in the express toll lanes and more congestion out there, which uh, leads the dynamic toll rates to be higher. So, of course, that uh, generates uh, more revenue as the toll rates are higher. And as we have seen this month, we've hit the $10 maximum on that toll seven of the last eight mornings. And I think it's pretty clear that we're back to somewhat normal, uh, even maybe a little above some on certain days of the week coming down out of Snohomish County. Another corridor that is seeing an uptick is the 167 hot lanes. Again, we're seeing more congestion out here on the corridors, uh, the dynamic toll rates are are reacting to that. So we are seeing higher toll rates as well. That also um, leads to more revenue. So Barry says the 167 tolling revenue is running more than 30% above those latest projections. So that's positive. So they're starting mm-hmm. to see them. But overall, but the projections have been lowered and lowered repeatedly. And lowered. So that's not surprising. Right. So but then here's the perspective off 48% yeah. from that original 2019 figure. Tacoma Narrows Bridge, that was the one corridor that never really took as big a hit because you're kind of stuck. you got to go, go back and forth. Yeah, exactly. So it, it, it's done okay. The Tacoma Narrows Bridge, when you compare it to the pre-COVID forecast, was the least affected, and the number of comparisons in this category is the lowest. So it's only off 7.5% from the original projection, so it's doing well. So what's the takeaway here? 
It's going to be hard to replace $206 million. It's going to be difficult. Where are we going to find that? That's one of the reasons why the state decided to raise some tolls last year. And let's not forget, one of those tolls is going up is going to be the 520 bridge starting next year. And we were supposed to be done with toll increases five years ago. Yeah. But uh, is it? Well, how, how is it going to be? Well, it's they, they moved it up, I think, like a dollar overall uh, during the peak time. So, again, that's the dynamic pricing. So I think right. they went with a flat rate there. Uh, that's taking effect next year. And the reason is they've got $900 million worth of bonds to pay off with the tolls alone. And so we remember we talked about that over the last couple of years is that they're in the potentially defaulting on bond if they didn't get that money back in the coffers somehow. So uh, that's what they're doing there. So good news is, I mean, bad news for our drivers, but the good news is it looks like the people are back to those corridors. But again, that's a huge hole that they're going to try to fix or try to fill in somehow. I ask you this every time, but uh, the way you fill that hole is to either slow down or cancel projects, right? It's one of the one of the ways, yeah. Yeah. Now, is the revenue? Are the projects tied to the revenue from the road where they're collecting? In other words, when when four hundred five is down by however much percent, does that mean fewer projects on four hundred five, or is that money just spread around? Well, four hundred five. Let's not forget is it's that congestion pricing model. So right. any money that they make over the top of paying off all the you know the bills that go to uh, collecting tolls and things like that go directly back into four hundred five. That's the way that, pro- that that's the way it was written for that. Yeah. On places like, you know, for, uh, I, you know, other toll facilities, they go back kind of somewhat into the general fund, but they're supposed to be directed toward the right. corridors in which okay, they serve. So that corridor so, is off 65%. Yeah. That means a lot less money being spent on that corridor then. But let's not forget that last session, the legislature passed a $17 billion transportation package of which one of those uh, funded projects is going to be adding that extra toll lane between Bothell and Linwood. So that's... Uh, so, so that construction that we've been seeing will continue. That, that is going to continue. So even... See, the... Uh, for, it's weird because on the 405, it's kind of like bonus money in air quotes. Is like anything we make above and beyond the toll, we get to throw in extra money at 405. Uh-huh. It doesn't get spread out elsewhere. So, but then you could still go ahead and pass a transpo package and you know fund the rest of the things. It's kind of a, you know there's so many different piles and shells. You kind of know how it works in Olympia, right? Yeah, no, I understand that. <laughs> uh, I, I'm not interested in the politics of the thing. I'm just wondering what what drivers can expect in terms of which projects are going to get done which projects are not. So what about the other, the, the, the highway that really needs fixing, uh, I-5? Well, again, that's, uh, that's uh, we, we still have that funded underneath that uh, that transpo package. Uh, let's, and the, and the, the project that's going to start this spring, next spring, of resurfacing I-5 basically from just above the station here before 520 all the way up past Northgate. That's funded and paid for, you know, the, that construction project is funded and paid for. So that's for. being done next year? Yeah, that, yeah that, 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 that part of Revive I-5 is yeah. Now switching from southbound out of Seattle to now northbound out of Seattle, so the next four years are going to be really fun getting between here and Northgate uh, because it's its turn to deal so, with that. So, just I don't want to raise expectations, but will it be as smooth as that stretch from uh, what is it, Mill Creek to Linwood? Uh, yeah, probably. Or, or as smooth now as how it is from I five down through Soto towards the yeah. West Seattle Bridge. Now that they're done, but yeah, but it's cool. it's going to be four years and four summers worth of lane closures and weekend freeway closures uh, getting out of Seattle. So yeah, it's us Snohomies that are finally going to get to deal with uh, the stuff heading out of downtown as opposed to all our friends from Pierce County and King coming into downtown. So it's our turn. This is Seattle's Morning News. Dave Ross with Colleen O'Brien. And yes, you are getting less in that cereal box. I know they say the product settles during shipment, but uh, 
This is actually shrinkflation, and America's expert on shrinkflation, recently written up in the New York Times, is Edgar Dworsky of Somerville, Massachusetts. And you actually, this is what you spend your time doing, going store to store, measuring the shrinking size of grocery items? Believe it or not, I've been doing this for decades. I mean, it started, frankly, when I was a kid, and I noticed that Charmin, back in the 1960s, used to have 650 sheets on a roll. Today's Charmin mega rolls have 242, believe it or not. My goodness. And are they also like smaller? I've noticed, too, that that uh, toilet paper rolls don't quite fill out the handle that they sit on. Right. They used to fill out the whole handle and now they're even tinier in the width. Each sheet has become narrower. Each sheet has become shorter, fewer sheets on the roll. Before you know it, it's going to look like a roll of postage stamps that you put on the roller. <laughs> We're just going to shake it out. <laughs> All right. So what do you what do you do? I mean, the manufacturers will say, look, this is we're trying to make money like anybody else. So what do you do about this? Well, basically, you know, when a manufacturer is facing increased costs and, you know, they they're suffering from inflation the way we are. They have some choices. They can raise the price directly or they can do it through the back door, make the product a little bit smaller. So we have to be smarter as consumers. People say, well, is this illegal? No, it's not illegal because the information is right on the package. So we need to pay attention to it. We have to become net weight conscious, net count conscious. So before you go to the store, double check the products, you know, on your shelf that you're about to buy replacements for. And at the store, check the net weight and net count. Are they still the same? If they're not, see if maybe a competitor hasn't changed yet. See if a store brand, you know, they're they're usually the last ones to downsize. That's a way to do it. Use unit pricing in the store to figure out which of different brands and sizes really is the best value. So we can fight back a little bit, but it's still a very sneaky practice. That's our only recourse. What about, I mean, you say it's on the packaging, but shouldn't they have to make it more obvious that, you know, in 2022, this pack, you know, I feel like Congress would now 10 percent smaller. Yeah. (laughs) Exactly. Dave, you're using my lines (laughs) because think about it. Manufacturers, when they have a bonus pack, they put this big starburst on it and they'll say, look, 20 percent more. But as you say, we're never going to see the starburst that says, look, 20 percent less. Should there be a law? Um, It might be a little bit of overreaching, you know, believe it or not, in Brazil. The law in Brazil is they have to put the old amount on the package, the new amount and the percentage difference. I mean, that sounds fair to me. It doesn't sound clear and transparent. Or maybe that's just the journalist in me talking. Well, again, that would be terrific if they did it voluntarily. I don't think they're going to do it voluntarily, unfortunately. But, you know, manufacturers have a choice. They've deliberately chosen to do the sneaky thing many times. One of the classic examples recently is called skimpflation by Smart Balance Margarine. Their old Smart Balance was 64% vegetable oil. 
The new is only 39% vegetable oil. Water became the primary ingredient. So they literally watered down the product. And do you think there was any great disclosure on the package? They didn't do it. Bottom left-hand corner of the panel, just the 64 became 39. If you didn't know it, you wound up with a um, watered-down product. Yeah, but people noticed as soon as they started using the new version, right? I mean, you got all Oh, my goodness. They have today over 2,100 one-star reviews on ConagraSmartBalance.com website. And unlike some other companies that didn't do anything when they got all this negative feedback, Smart Balance came out and said, you know, hopefully at the beginning of the year, they're going to bring back the old formula. So collectively, consumers can have a voice, at least on occasion. We got to get together and your website would definitely help. If I'm reading it correct, mouseprint.org, a reference to uh, the very teeny tiny (laughs) writing on the packages that we we skip. I'm curious, is it is it the busy hustle bustle lifestyle of Americans that makes us more susceptible to this shrinkflation that we're eating too fast to notice the flavor has changed or shopping? um, You know, we've disconnected from shopping as well, outsourcing it to Instacart and and other uh, services that we're not actually examining the products. We're just putting them in a cart and purchasing them. I think it's a combination of all that. We're very busy, but we're also creatures of habit. How many people kind of automatically, if you're a Maxwell House coffee drinker, you grab the the canister of Maxwell House. Mm -hmm. If you're a Tropicana user, you you grab the carafe of, of Tropicana. So we don't pay attention when we really need to. And that's what manufacturers are counting on. And that's the way they make products smaller because they know most people are not going to pay attention and not going to notice it. And they'll maybe get away with it for a while. Now, something that was pointed out in the New York Times article written about you, it's called Meet the Man on a Mission to Expose Sneaky Price Increases, is this tip you got through email about cough syrup being watered down. You know, we're talking about cereals and juices and laundry detergents. But when you're watering down medicines, that sounds dangerous. You could really wind up misdosing yourself. This was a tip. Someone, I think in the Midwest who shopped at Kroger, sent me in pictures of um, Tussin DM. And you now had to take twice as much of the medicine because it only had half the active ingredients it used to. Now, they give you those little plastic cups, and I assume there's you know a little line on there. So if you're using the plastic cups, you won't make a mistake, but think how sneaky that is. Right. Cutting the active ingredient in half so you have to take twice as much, and do you think there's some big announcement on the front you know, new and not quite improved or something <laughs> like that. New um, diluted there formula. Isn't little tiny words, uh, new dosing, something like that. Mm. And that's supposed to tip you off. I'm going to publish this next week so people will get a chance and see that it's not just at Kroger, but it's at CVS and at Walgreens. So the store brands are finally catching up because Robitussin actually changed a number of years ago. So you've been saving money all this time in comparison. Fancy more examples or uh, help Edgar as a consumer detective. His website is mouseprint.org. Edgar Dworsky. Edgar, thank you. Well, thanks, guys. 
Time now for your daily dose of kindness. It is sponsored by Heritage Homecraft. A doctor in Kentucky decided to step in and start substitute teaching when he heard the school district was having trouble finding teachers. WLYK News tells his story. Actually, I'm a primary care physician. I uh, practice four mornings a week. So I'm uh, semi-retired part-time, and I use my Fridays to do the substitute teaching. That was my favorite part. Dr. Silliberti started subbing on Fridays of this year after hearing the district was short on teachers. I thought it'd be a good way to give back to the community. I was I was actually educated in the Jefferson County public school system and uh, I thought it did a very good job for me. He teaches students from kindergarten to eighth grade, math, science, English. He can do it all. Well, I actually like school. I know that makes me a bizarre person, but I really did like school. I actually think uh, learning is fun. It's a, definitely a learning experience for the substitute. He likes to be, you know, make those connections with them, circulate around the room, work with kids one-on-one and talk with them. He's very soft-spoken, kind, um, just there, there to help. He's subbed all over the city of Louisville, saying he's happy to go anywhere he's needed. On Friday, Dr. C was at Cane Run Elementary in a kindergarten class. I've learned that kids are really kind of the same everywhere. They're, they, they all have their different things going on in their life, and some are ready to learn and some of them aren't, but they all deserve the attention. And he believes they deserve the right tools to learn. So, Celebrity donates 100% of his paycheck from substitute teaching back to the classroom he worked in. The money is often used to buy books or add to the teacher's classroom budget. But I'd love the kids to know that that there are adults who they've never met before who actually care about them and their futures. That would be something I would love to see. Addie Miners, WLKY News. 7.48 and now, direct from the Gian Ursula Show, which starts at 9 o'clock. Here he is, G. Scott. Uh, good morning, good morning. I'm super excited. You guys got Santa in the building. Yes, we do. Wait, I was excited because Santa tried to have me ring a bell, and I can't ring the bell, and that means I've been naughty all year. Now, Dave Ross, do you think what that I have been naughty all year long? I have no idea what you do with you leave, once you leave the studio. So you've been perfectly well-behaved here. Mm-hmm. Oh. Even generous. You share your shoes with Dave? Yeah. Yeah. You know? So Santa, oh, I mean, I think... Think that we seconds, could, <laughs> he's listening, but we can cut, try to pump you up. Dave, even Santa. even outside of the studio, you yeah. don't think? Do you think I've been nice and not naughty? I hardly, am, am I, I hardly see you outside the studio. I mean, it's because you don't talk to me outside the studio. Well, I have other things to do. <laughs> Somebody has to listen to this show while it's going on the air, while the rest of you are having your own conversations. <laughs> oh. He's so grumpy. <laughs> he's in the presence of Santa greatness, and he's so grumpy. No, no, I, I'm, I'm appreciative of that, but I, I want to find out from you if this is, as everybody else has said, a must-win game. And, number two, what does that mean? If they don't win, we just stop watching football for the rest of the year? Final exam. Final exam. This is when... You go to your teacher, and you go to your teacher, and you say, so what do I have to do on this final exam to pass the class? Mm-hmm. And the teacher says, Colleen, I'm telling you right now, <laughs> you need to pass this one. You need if, to ace it. If you don't pass this test right here, yeah. it's a wrap. There's no makeup tests. No makeup We're tests not curving right the grades this no year. Curve, no curve, no nothing. Credit. You can't sit next to Sully and cheat. You can't sit next to Dave Ross and cheat. This is your test. The Seahawks tonight at Lumen Field. Prime time. You're making my hand sweat because I probably would have cheated off the valedictorian Sully or cozied up to the smart guy Dave to I'm, get the answers. I'm going to tell you right now. Yeah. Hands down, Sully would have been my partner in school. Yeah. <laughs> Sully, hey, hey, Sully, what you need, bro? 
no, no, I see you brought your lunch. Oh, don't worry about that. I got some lunch coming yeah. in for you. And then he would give you some I would answers. take care of Sully. Yeah. Not that I've ever done that. But anyway. What, well, what'd, you get you. On, uh, what'd you get on number five? <laughs> <laughs> see, now I, now I know you've been naughty. <laughs> you just no, told on yourself, no, you, you know, um... The Seahawks kind of they, they they've they've messed around, right? They, they they've lost some games that they should have won. They especially should have won the game against the Raiders here at home. They should have won last game against the Carolina Panthers at home. And now you are forced into a must-win situation. Now, what do the Seahawks have going on their side? Yeah. Well, they're twenty-one and five in primetime games at the crib at home. Mm-hmm. So that's good news. But with a whole different team. They right? are also oh. ten and two. On Thursday night football. Not that I have these stats in my head. No. But these are these are positive things. So even though um, the San Francisco 49ers look really good on paper, the one thing that's kind of going against the Niners right now is not sure who the quarterback is going to be. Oh. Now that is kind of helped because I told you guys early in the, on Monday, I said Brock Purdy. I told you, I said, hey, he's, we, a, he's a phenom. He is man. really good. He yeah. looks good. Colleen looked him up and, ooh, look at his face. Yeah. She looked him up. Because he looked like a baby. Let's yeah. make that clear. Yeah, I'm but not, he wasn't a baby on the field. I'm not now, quite a baby yet. Is, oh. there's, no, there's no thing. He might not. Huh? Huh? What'd you say? Nothing. Anyway, <laughs> we're going to come back to that. Um, Brock Purdy might not be playing in this game, so I think something like that would help. And if he does play, we don't know how healthy he is. So the Seahawks do have that going on their side. Now, do we have uh, crucial personnel coming back tonight? Uh, oh, it's, and Kenneth Walker the third? Yeah. Um, it, it's, it's questionable. Um, in my heart of hearts, in my gut. I don't think so. Uh oh. You know, but and, and, and the Seahawks are definitely missing him. They're definitely missing DJ Dallas. So not having that run game hurts. Oh, so DJ's but, not coming back. Uh, we'll, we'll see. I mean, this game time situation. But the last but not least, the Seahawks need to stop the run. Like that's mm-hmm. that's the Everybody most important. Everybody needs to stop thing. the run. I keep hearing this. Of course, you need to stop the run because if somebody runs with a football, and nobody stops him. He goes into the end zone. Mm-hmm. Well done. So uh, you, real quick, before we move yes. on to you, because you're going to ask me about the final score, yes, and Santa already knows that I'm starting off at 31. Right. What'd you say, Colleen? Nothing. <laughs> I just wanted to make it clear that when you said I looked at his face and was like, "Ooh," it's because I was like, "Wow, he's like a young little boy. He doesn't look like he could be leading a football team." So I'm impressed. Okay. And I said, I'm That's what all she meant. Not quite at that point yet in my life. <laughs> okay, so the Seahawks will win 31 to. <laughs> Wait, what? why did you think I would p- p- choose 31? Hmm. <laughs> That's exactly what I was going to choose. Um, the, the, the Seahawks are going to win 31 to 23. That's what you said last time. Well, you say it lost. Did enough, I say 23 you last time? You did, yeah. Seahawks win <laughs> 31 to 28. To twenty eight. Oh, it's going to be a close game. It's be I a like close that. Game. I like okay. that. Well, now this is partly your estimate now too. Then yeah, that's right. You guys make sure, like seriously, put all whatever your your superstition is. Mm-hmm. You know, if you wear the same underwear, you wear the same socks, with the same hat, same shirt, mm-hmm. whatever it is that you do to help the Seahawks win, please do that because do today tonight. is the final exam. This is okay. eight thirty five now, and you can still donate to Holiday Magic, benefiting Treehouse and helping thousands of foster kids around the state. Just text Magic to 888-973-5476 or head to MyNorthwest.com slash Holiday Magic to learn more. But here 
in the studio. We have the top bidder on our auction item that I was just begging people to bid on, right? And Jim did it. Santa Jim, in fact. He's in studio with us. You can hear it in full costume and holiday spirit. Santa Jim, we certainly appreciate your donation. I am more than thrilled to be able to support the foster kids in our community and to be able to help bring more joy and happiness in a time when we just need to have more and more positivity. And I'm so blessed that I could be able to do that. You've been in the studio since 6 a.m. And I have to say, your positivity and your holiday spirit is certainly rubbing off on us, too. So we appreciate that. How's it been for you? Are we interesting enough for you? (laughs) (laughs) It has been fascinating to watch live radio as it happens right before you and just everything clicking along and just never missing a beat and to be able to see the faces of the voices that I listen to so frequently. Yeah. It's fun. Yeah. Well, we like meeting you, too. We love meeting our listeners. So why don't you tell us a little bit about how you became Santa Jim. So I've always had a passion for Santa, but and I, and my, my favorite color is also Mrs. Claus's favorite color. It really, it's blue. But I've had to wear red all this time, and finally I got to wear the blue. But it started out with just wearing a blue Santa hat and a blue coat and a blue scarf, and kids would come up and, and just greet me. Because you have the big, long beard. I I have mean, you the, already yes. have the look with the glasses yes. and all of that. You just put a hat on And it. I'm old. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, in, in December 2019, we were up at Warm Beach, up by Stamina, where they have all these Christmas wonderful displays set up. You could walk through there. And we were about to walk into one of the little workshops were there and I heard this voice behind me coming running at me fast Santa and I turned around and was immediately embraced what turned out to be a 15 year old boy but he was like six feet tall <laughs> and he grabs me and he gave me a big hug and he just kept sobbing and saying Santa 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 and his mom was trying to pull him off and was saying, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. She finally pulls him off. And I said, it's okay. It's okay. I'm, I'm here for the kids. She goes, no, you don't understand. He's autistic. He's nonverbal. He doesn't speak. And he believes that you are the Santa. And he now said I'm bawling. Santa. And now I'm bawling and she's bawling and the kid's just like trembling and just, it was awesome. And that Turns was out it. he was right. <laughs> yeah, it turns out, and, and I don't know if, if people are tuning in on the, the live video through CairoRadio.com, you can see the incredible Santa outfit you have. You had that custom made with glass buttons. Yes. And I mean, it's the real deal. It is beautiful. There's magic sewn into it that is, suit. There's so much. That is so much Look detail into wow. it. Wow. I even have my very own Santa pocket watch. Yes. <laughs> and the bell. Tell me about the bell. The bell is Santa's magic. And the bell, if you have the magic, uh-huh. you can make it ring. Yeah. Uh-huh. But I don't know. Maybe Dave has some magic in there. Magic? No. Oh, <laughs> Dave, Dave, Dave doesn't have any magic. Oh. Dave's He's been, been a naughty boy. He's been naughty, too. Oh. Let me see that. Maybe, maybe, yeah. maybe Dave broke it. Let's see. Yeah. Okay. No, yeah. still works. Still works for Santa, Dave. What's, oh, what's I, up with that? I don't know. Oh my I was hoping Angel would get his wings. So your hope, after going through this, after meeting that child, having this beautiful custom made, is to be one of Santa's helpers, which Santa needs a lot of helpers. I mean, I can see you a grand marshal of a holiday parade. I would love to go wherever Santa's needed. Yeah. And to be able to, you know, 
make kids happy, make parents happy, and just share love and joy and just have a good time, you know? How do people contact you if they want to check out your Santa? Two two easy ways. One is on Facebook, Blue Santa Jim. Oh, okay. That's easy. At Facebook. The other way is through email. It's bluesantajim at gmail.com. So easy. And I, I've, I'll, I'll put my personal endorsement on that because we've spent three hours with you and you're an incredible Santa. Oh, yes, thank you, you so much. Yeah. And thank you for supporting Treehouse. Too. Yeah. Absolutely. Just my blessing. 847 Seattle's Morning News. Apparently, office Christmas parties are coming back. Let's go to Mickey Gomez, who's been looking into this. Are they really? (laughs) Jingle bells, jingle bells. Yes, I'm in the holiday spirit. And uh, holiday company parties are back, according to AP. More than 57% of companies are planning in-person holiday celebrations this year. And that is according to a survey that was uh, conducted by Challenger. So, yeah. People are excited, apparently, to go to the office holiday party. Are they going all out this year because it's been so suppressed through the pandemic? Yeah, let me tell you. So what I found when I did this deep dive into what's going on with uh, the holiday party coming back is that people, uh, according to AP, are reportedly tired of doing the Zoom holiday party. Yeah. They're tired. They're tired of working in half suits, you know, where you're like business on top, pajamas yeah. on the bottom. I agree. Any chance to dress up now, I'm in. Yes. Because I, I want to. We had so few chances to. I'm dressed up with my hair and makeup done today. Yeah. Um, also, people are, are tired of having to turn their cameras on. Yeah. At work and, and doing the holiday online party. So, yes. Um, so awkward. So, it's time to break out your little breakfast black dress or your favorite suit, get dolled up because holiday work holiday parties are back. I did get to speak to Fernando who works in San Francisco and I asked him, so tell me about your holiday party. Did you have one and what, what did you think about it? It was a lot of fun. It was definitely something, um, you know, that was missed the last couple of years because of COVID. We haven't been able to do that. In fact, you know, we haven't been able to gather as, uh, as, as employees and friends for a very long time. I asked him, uh, were you excited to get dressed up? It was fun not only for oh, me well, to dress sorry up, about but that. also to see others. Sorry about that. That's, that's a computer. I think it's the right time. I, I mean, I know that there are surges happening now with COVID. and um, But, you know, I, I feel like if you maintain your, your booster shot and you still take precautions like wearing masks, that makes you feel comfortable or uh, keeping a distance. I, I don't think there's anything wrong with bringing back the uh, company holiday party. So that's Fernando saying that uh, that he's pretty cool. He's he's happy that the holiday parties are back. And I asked him, you know, do you think the holiday parties should move forward, even though we've got a triple-demic happening? And then he just gave us his answer. So yeah. there you go. I remember that used to be so lavish, too. I feel like I really missed... The, the, you know, just based on when I came to be holiday, in, holiday yeah, exactly. Yeah. Professionally, they got canceled right when I was about to sort of go to some of them because like, of the 0809 recession. So this is where we're cut back over the years. Back, back in the day when we were located in the with Cairo Television at Third and Broad, they would hold the holiday party in the main TV studio. So mm-hmm. they move out the the new set and they bring in the tables and they had Santa Claus. And I have pictures of the kids sitting in Santa's lap. And then at the loading dock, every employee would get a giant frozen turkey. Oh. Which you would then uh, bring home. They'd send you home with food, too. Yeah. Well, Dave, you said something interesting. Your kids were at the holiday party as yeah. well and got to say, see holiday parties now. Yeah. You can't really bring your families, which is a big bummer because I it would is. love to bring my wife to mm-hmm. our company holiday party. My wife for, didn't go to her holiday party because mm-hmm. I 
couldn't come. She's like, eh, it's not going to be fun without I know, you. I like to meet everybody's significant others and their kids and get yeah. to know who they are outside of work. Yeah, well, they, they were, I mean, they were considered, I believe, important corporate bonding experiences. Yes. I mean, I think even one time, I think we rented a, a banquet room at the Westin. You know, all depends oh on how, when, you know, back in the day, broadcasters the were, were, were printing money. Well, so. Dave, yeah. we, had, we had that one, I think, when I was early on here over in the walkway over the top of the convention center. Right. Right. Yes. We rented that whole area up there. That. that was that was really, really fancy. But then a couple years later, when Bonneville took over, we went ice skating. Mm-hmm. Remember that? We went down, we rented the whole area down at Kent uh, at the, the Showwear Center and skated there. Oh, so all of our kids, our kids could go. I remember Tommy was on the ice. And yeah, that was, I mean, so kind of a mixed bag. But yeah, we've gone from the high fancy to a little bit of family. To the kind nicest of- one I've been to from here is when they rented out, or I don't know if they rented it out because we're partners with the Seattle Mariners, or other station is anyway, uh, at the All-Star Club. Oh, you remember yeah. that one? Yeah, yeah, that was fun too. Yeah, with and our kids could come to that one too. And yeah. it, was, it felt so Tommy fancy. Tommy went to that one too. We got to do um, <laughs> batting practice and yeah. see actually their uh, locker room too. That was really nice. I think the best holiday party I went to was when I worked in New York City for CBS Ooh. and we did get to bring our significant others and we had celebrities that were there and we had a lot of fun. But but just because the workday ho- or the work holiday party is back and a lot of people are excited about it, believe it or not, there is a percentage of people who are saying no. People well, oh, make yeah. bad decisions at oh. holiday parties. Well, there's a, there's, and a, there's another issue there. That's yes, right. There's another don't, issue. Don't behave at the party the way they would normally be expected right? to Right. People drink too much. Yeah. And then on top of that, there are some people who say, you know what? I already spend enough time with my coworkers. <laughs> I don't really want to go home, get dressed up, go back out and then see them again and then have to go to work the next day Aww. and do the walk of well, shame. Well, they just don't have fun co-workers then. <laughs> oh, yeah. The walk of shame. I the think that's why they started handing out drink tickets where it's like, you get two. Yeah, but then you get the co-worker who doesn't drink. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Who's like, here, that's Betty, right. you can have my work. Here, Jim, take my uh, my drink ticket. So- and then next someone you know is behind the bar and that's out the window. <laughs> so, <laughs> Best um, parties I ever had were after shows. Right after stage show production. Sure. Because you'd have a closing night show, you have a cast party, and then you don't see each other the next day because the show is over. You're not really working. You hope everyone forgets what happened by the time Monday rolls around. (laughs) So, show of hands, who's happy that the workday holiday party is back? All right, Colleen, Chris Sullivan, me, Santa over there. How did I know that? You'd be wishy washy. (laughs) All right, all right. Just. Just behave yourself because you're going to be working with them Monday morning. Maybe. Yeah, maybe. (laughs) Sorry, Mickey's not here today. Uh, There were some uh, some issues on Friday night. It's on TikTok. (laughs) It's trending. That's the other problem when holiday parties end up on TikTok. That wasn't an issue back in the 80s. Yeah, that's that's very true. Thanks for listening to Seattle's Morning News, the podcast. I'm Dave Ross. And I'm Colleen O'Brien. You can find our podcast weekday mornings right at 930. And if you subscribe, you will never miss the Daily Dose of Kindness.